The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Ladies and gentlemen, DI fans, how are we doing today? It is episode 13 of season 3, and we're joined later on by DB from the Tour Junkies. It's the Tour Junkies, an established golf betting, golf DFS podcast, DB Unreal from Augusta, Georgia. So right from, you know, where the heart of the golf world is come April at the Masters where the Masters is held, he's been to the Masters 26 straight years. Unbelievable guy to have on, so if you like golf, stick around for the first half. Uh, it's going to be a, a great interview. DB uh, was awesome to catch up with. But the pregame show brought to you by Manscaped. Go use TDI at manscaped.com. Code TDI for 20% off free shipping. I talk about it all the time. It's the best fool, tools for your family jewels worldwide. Uh, keep uh, keep up to date with your uh, with your men's grooming. Uh, I think it goes without saying. I mean, nobody likes uh, the bush. Nobody likes the uh, overgrown stuff around the body. So make sure you keep uh, keep cleaned up with, uh, with your Manscaped. Lawnmower 4.0, TDI, at manscaped.com. In the pregame show, I'm going to talk about a couple of stories. That's what, you know, I've talked about it. That's how I'm going to, you know, progress the podcast is tell a few stories during the pregame show while we're getting into it. But I want to talk about golf because that's our guest today is DB from uh, from the Tour Junkies. Um, and I'm going to tell a couple hole-in-one stories. So the first story I have, I was playing at a pro junior. So essentially what that is, is when you're a junior, you go with one of your golfing pros to a tournament you uh, and two other juniors play in a scramble with, um, actually, yeah, it is a scramble, I guess. Um, you, two other juniors, and your pro play in a, in a tournament. So we were at a tournament, um, I do believe, a couple hours away, anyway, at a nice golf course. And we get to this part three in the back nine, and, you know, we're doing okay. And, and uh, the three juniors, three of us hit. Obviously, the pro is our anchor. We all miss the green. I think a couple of us are in the water. There's a big pond in front of the green. So our pro steps up and dunks it in the water, and he's pissed. Throws his club. He's rattled. Anyway, I've never seen this done in the part of three, but obviously you go to a drop zone, but we weren't. We were going to go chip because there was one that was available to us that was better than the water. He says, throw me a ball. We're all like, what? So we toss him a ball, and no word of a lie, he dunks it. It was the first time I've ever seen a hole-in-one. It was a hole-in-three, essentially. It was a par. But it was the first time I've ever seen it. It's such an electric feeling. Um, we celebrated, but it wasn't a hole-in-one. But it was still an electric feeling watching the ball go in the cup from, you know, 160 yards away. So last summer, uh, my home golf course, Kenwell Golf and Country Club, I was on the 13th hole part three. I was playing with my little brother who had returned to the game after taking, you know, five, six years off. So it was an exciting time to have him back on the golf course. So I was playing with my little brother and uh, Jason Thibodeau, a really good player at the golf course, scratch golfer, one of the top players at our course. So we get to the 13th and I peg it up and... So the 13th kind of goes into our clubhouse and the green, you can see the balcony from the restaurant upstairs off of the clubhouse. It looks over onto 13, full balcony. Um, Neil, who I had on last episode, was up there. And I hit the nine iron, bounce once, boom, right into the cup. And 
telling you right now, it's it's one of the most electric feelings in golf or you know in sport. I was I was like out of body um, celebrating that uh, that feeling. So great feeling. The whole one stories they're always electric. Um, but uh, without further ado, here's DB from the Tour Junkies. All right, golf fans, ladies and gentlemen, we're joined by David DB from the Tour Junkies podcast. These guys are good at what they do. They talk golf. They talk DFS. They're just huge in the golf world. Now, DB, I want to know how you guys got started. I mean, this whole podcasting world, it's a wild world, but how'd you get started talking golf and uh, what was the motive behind that? What's up, dude? Thanks for having me. I uh, love the daily intermission. You guys are hilarious. Uh, love the TikTok account. I um, We got started kind of the old-fashioned way, bro. You know, like nowadays, it's just like, you know, somebody whispers podcasts in your ear. You're like, you know what? I'm going to start a podcast. And, yeah. ne- and tomorrow you got one. And next thing you know, you got a nice camera and everything. We did it in the hard days, bro. We started in 2015, me and Pat, uh, my co-host Pat, we were working together at a, you know, white collar corporate job. And, you know, like a lot of people, we just, every Monday we'd like start talking about whatever golf term is going on that week. This is in Augusta, Georgia, by the way, we're both born and raised in Augusta. So we, you know, big golf fans. And um, every week we just found ourselves talking about it. And we, DraftKings launched PGA DFS in January of 2015. And we both kind of got into it. We were both already pretty heavy into fantasy football all our lives or, or adult lives. And um, we just, a couple of weeks would go by and Pat was like, man, we should start, you know, we should start a podcast. I was listening. I was trying to find a podcast that talked about, you know, DraftKings golf and there wasn't one. And I was like, yeah, you know, I, I love listening to podcasts, but I, I don't know how to do it. And dude, we started it, man. It was the most ratchet operation. It was unlike, <laughs> You know, like I said, like now it's just easy, you know, like, you know, what mic to buy. It's just easy to figure all that. Absolutely. It's all laid out for you. But in 2015, it really wasn't like nobody was writing damn eBooks about it or anything like that. You didn't know. We literally used an app called tape a call. Oh, wow. This thing was a $10 paid app and it would record your phone call illegally. (laughs) <laughs> and so I would, we, we literally would, we, the other thing we did is we, we actually practiced before we published. Whereas like now I think people just, sometimes they just start and they just publish. We went 12 weeks, bro. 12 weeks. We recorded a show on this ratchet tape, a call app. Didn't let anybody hear it. We were just trying to figure out how to do it. Who's, who's going to play what role, who's hosting, who's not, you know, we would listen to it ourselves. And then after about the 10th one, we let a couple of friends listen to it and they gave us some feedback. And that was it. We told our wives for 12 weeks in a row, like, Hey, I'm going upstairs. You know, I'll be, you know, I won't be down for like two and a half hours. <laughs> and, they, and they were like, okay. And we started from the ground up. So man, I mean, we, you know, our first published episode was in like, uh, like August, September of 2015. And we just tried to keep making it better every year, but that's how it all got started. Man, that's incredible. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I started, we started ours. I mean, you know, we're probably a year and a half in. And like you said, I mean, things are pretty established nowadays. I mean, uh, you pop on Amazon podcast starter kit, you know, yeah, Yeah. yeah. you know, everything's laid up. We didn't have a kit. We had, (laughs) we went from that dumb tape call thing to a really crappy condenser mic that was like $30, no camera. That was probably one of our biggest mistakes in 2015. Our, what our biggest mistake was not starting on YouTube or some visual platform earlier. It was yeah. all audio until like 2019. We okay. Did it all on audio. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, it was, it's wild. We've, we've evolved. We've yeah, evolved. man. Well, talk about living in Georgia and Augusta, Georgia specifically. Um, you know, what's it like in April? Um, you know, when the masters comes around, I mean, talk about a year round, you know, what's life like golf's obviously huge at the forefront of, of the population down there, but I mean, what's it like come masters week? I mean, it's gotta be just outrageous. It's gotta be overwhelming. 
it's wild, man. It's, I love it. It's my favorite week of the year. You know, Augustans either love it and they want to be all up in it or they don't and they get the hell out of town. You know, it's, it's spring break for all the schools in Augusta that week. So, um, you know, people rent their house out and go on vacation <clears throat> with the kids or whatever. So that's, that's usually what we do. We rent our house out, but then my wife takes the kids and I stay in town because it's my favorite week of the year. Um, I just love it. It's, it's, it's a rush of energy and electricity and new people. And, um, I just love being amongst it. It's, it's a fantastic week. So people, you know, leading up to that, people are prepping their houses and they're doing projects and getting ready for rental and they're figuring out where they're going on vacation and people are, you know, moving tickets around and, all the works, but, uh, master's week is, is great. If you've never been, um, it's the most well-run event, I would say just event period, but definitely sporting event you'll ever go to in your life. Um, just aside from the golf course and how well it's maintained. And, you know, you, you sitting there thinking about the hallowed grounds you're walking on. If you, if you really notice all the little things that Augusta national thinks of and does with absolute excellence, you walk out of there and just like, you just can't believe the experience that you had. Well, you always see online too, just how affordable it is for fans <clears throat> to go in there and have some beers and have some food and just, you know, it's catered towards the fans is what it, is what it seems like. So, I mean, obviously completely just, do you go every year, DB? Do you, do you attend every single year? Yeah, man. I've probably been every year um, since I was probably, I don't know, 13 or 14. I'm, I'll be 39 in two months. So, Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously, a lot of the listeners are going to be jealous of that. That's unbelievable. That's incredible, man. But let's get into it. Let's get into the PGA Tour. Let's talk a little bit about the Live Tour. I mean, it's been an unprecedented year in golf. It's been wild. Uh, I cannot wait for the Netflix series to come out. Let's document all of this because that's going to be wild. Because what a year that has been for Netflix to decide this is the year that we're going to you know, film and travel the tour and, and uh, document this because obviously... You know, there's been uh, there's been some segregation. I mean, now we got this live organization come on and and take a lot of the stars off the PGA Tour. But I want you to talk a little bit about your thoughts, just you know, through the first five months, six months of live being in the mix. You know, what are your thoughts on their their model, their system? You know, the tournament layout, the stars that are over there. Are you watching it all? You know, what is your overall kind of depiction of of what this live tour is? Well, I'm going to get, I'm going to get a firsthand look at it next week. I leave Sunday to go down to Miami. I'm playing in the PJ memes event on Monday, and then I'm going to be uh, credential media at live, which will be interesting because I've done the media thing on the PGA tour and I got a lot of issues with it, with, with just that aspect of it. But um, it appears that live in the way they handle at least media credentials, give you a lot more freedom, a lot more access, which will be interesting to see. Uh, so I'm going to see it firsthand because, you know, I do think there's a lot of things that you see online about live that may or may not be true, uh, both in their favor or not in their favor. So I'm interested to see it for myself. Um, <clears throat> you know, overall, so tour junkies, we're, we're divided here. It's a house divided. Like Pat can't stand live. He, yeah. he absolutely can't stand live. I, I don't know. Like I'm okay with it. I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, a you know, I'm okay with the competition. I, I feel like obviously you, you can't deny it's made the PGA tour product better. It's made those people move. It's made those people make decisions that they should have made a long time ago. Um, and it will continue to, you can't deny that. And so I'm, I'm, I'm happy about that. I, I like aspects of the format for live and I'm optimistic about their ability to change uh, some things that, that I don't like, but 
you know, I, I guess the worst part about it for me is that it's, it is, you said the word segre- segregation is dividing up the best players in the world. And I don't like that world. You know, I, I want a world where Cam Smith and DJ uh, are, are playing events with Rory and Scotty this week at the CJ cup. Like <clears> I just don't want that. Um, so that, that is what I don't like about the whole thing overall. And I don't think, and I've, we've interviewed a ton of players about this, both on camera and behind the scenes. I've talked to dozens of guys about this and nobody, nobody that I've talked to thinks that the two, the two sides will work together as long as either Greg Norman or Jay Monahan are in charge of their prospective leagues. <laughs> There's just too much bad blood. If, if Jay Monahan quits or gets removed, I could see a world where the two start to work together. Same thing if it happens with Greg Norman. I, I think that's less likely. Um, so I don't know. I mean, like I said, there's things about it. I don't know. I don't know what you kind of want to get into with it. But well, let's talk about I, the uh, the three day, the three day, the shotgun start. Um, yeah. I know they're working on a TV contract right now. They don't have world golf ranking points. I mean, I, I'm a I'm a traditionalist. I like the four days cut after yeah. two, and I know it's kind of we're in the middle of a back to back four day no cut. But um, yeah. you know in terms of the field size and the feeder system, I mean, I get it's all new and you can't really implement an entire system of, of, you know, a golf league right off the get go. You need to, it's piece by piece, obviously, but I don't know. I'm uh, it sounds like I'm a little bit more on Pat's side. Like I'm not a huge fan. I haven't watched any of it. Yeah. Uh, I do miss the stars. Like I miss the characters of, of Brooks Kepka, Patrick Reed, yeah. Bryson. I mean, you can say what you want about them. I enjoyed them. Um, you know, I miss those guys in the PGA tour. Clearly, um, but I'm just not sold that it's as compelling as a four day cut event. Yeah, I agree. And listen, I've probably watched a total of maybe two hours of live golf coverage and all the events they've had. Uh, so I'm with you there. I, and I a hundred percent agree, like golf needs villains and, and we need the villains playing with the heroes like Rory, right? Like you need Bryson's dumbass and Patrick in there. You, you need those guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I agree with you there. I, I, as a, you know, our, our show, our content is 90% based on DFS and betting on golf. Yeah. It is way more fun to play DFS golf and bet on golf when it's, when there's a cut, when there's a full field and when there's four rounds, yep. you get more bang for your buck. The sweat is longer. Two the sweats. Cut, sweat, yeah. The yeah. cut sweat is fun. That's thrown in there. Uh, you get longer numbers, you get more variance. It's just, I love all of that. So I agree with you. I hate that about live. Um, so I don't like that. I, I, I don't mind the shotgun start for the first two rounds. I don't mind it. It does condense things. It does mean a lot of action going on at one time. It means that for five hours I can track things and be okay. It gives less of a wave advantage to some, uh, players, which Patrick Reed's definitely pissed and moaned about before, <laughs> but I hate it for the third round. It's, it's dumb. It's really dumb for the third round to have the winner possibly teeing off on some benign par three on his last hole, you know, number four, here he is on number four on a 178 yard part. Like that's dumb. Yeah. Um, so I don't like that. I tell you where live. I mean, obviously live is dangerous because is a threat because of the money, right? Like that's the number one thing. Yeah. We all know that if you have that much money, you can do a lot of things and it looks like they're willing to, and they will continue to where I think they're also really a threat to the PGA tour. And I alluded to this on, on with, with some of the media stuff is like, they're extremely nimble as an organization, right? Like 
any good business, any really good business is, is a business that will, that, that is willing to adjust on the fly and willing to change up strategies when, when they need to, or willing to make this, this change when they hear the voice of their, their clients or the voice of their employees or whatever that may be. And the PGA tour has not done that for a long time. And Liv has proven multiple times already this season that they're willing to do that. Number one, like, I think it was after their first event, they basically squashed the 2023 plan in terms of their schedule. They, they wiped it away and said, forget that. We're going to skip that. And we're going to take what we planned on doing in 2024. And we're going to do that in 2023. So the schedule that we're about to get for live in 2023 was the plan two years from now, but they skipped the second year and like, you know, escalated things, which is, which is interesting. But the other little small thing, and it's just a small thing, but to me it adds up and that probably indicates other things that they're doing that we may or may not see that are good. The other small thing is, did you notice at the event, I think it was the, um, I think it was the Trump Bedminster event after day one. Okay. After round one at like 7 PM that night, Greg Norman puts out a video and says, starting tomorrow, live golfers can wear shorts if they choose to during tournament <clears throat> round. Now that's not like, that's not, that's not a huge thing. Like, I don't care to see Tommy Fleetwood or, or Matt Wolf's cankles, right? <laughs> but we talk to a lot of players on tour and, and, and they love wearing shorts. Some of them, do. some of them like wearing the pants that they just do, but they love being able to wear shorts on practice rounds. That took the tour forever to do. Is that not the most outrageous rule though in golf right no, now? One of them. It's out, it is outrageous. The fact that Greg Norman said it after round one means it was not on the table. It, it was not on the table. Like nobody's going to say, Hey guys, we're going to play round one. You know, if, if it's a Monday, they're not going, Hey, we're going to play round one. And on Friday, we're going to say that, th no, he like saw that thought of it as hot as hell out here. Guys are hot. Why do we do this? It's a dumb rule. You know what? We're going to change it and we're going to change it starting tomorrow. Yeah. And if you can do that as an organization, smaller or little big, bigger, little, like it says something. And oh man. It's just so slow to do shit you and know like it drives me nuts that's uniform across all industries if yeah. you can make a change that's going to be beneficial for everyone involved and if you can make that the next day extremely powerful i mean like you said i mean there, there's you can play devil's advocate you can you can you can look at both sides i mean live has done a lot of great things for golf and especially paying the top guys more money has been, you know, probably at the forefront. I mean, the PGA Tour has come up with a lot more money, obviously with these elevated events, um, yeah. and um, you know, kind of out of nowhere. Um, you know, who knows if if Liv weren't have, you know, didn't come to be, if that was going to be the case for the top players on the PGA right. Tour, we'll see. But um, talk, let's talk about Phil Mickelson for a minute. Obviously, Phil's been kind of the poster boy. He's been the whipping boy um in uh you know the pga tour pro media um obviously has been a, a big advocate for uh more money for the players and um you know it, it, what do you think this does to phil's legacy because he's one of the all-time greats i mean what he won 40 plus times in the pga tour six majors i do believe i mean he's he's just an all-time great in the game but now that he's made the change you know what is this gonna how's this gonna affect phil's outlook in the history of golf it's one thing to make the change and it's another thing to do all the other shit that he's done. Right. Like, I mean, we're really close with Charles Howell, the third Charles Howell, the third grew up in Augusta, Georgia. He and Pat grew up next to each other at Augusta country club, hitting balls. Charles has made, you know, millions and tens of millions of dollars on the course. You know, Pat's never been on plane a day in his life. I don't know how it happens, but, um, 
you know, Charles is a guy who well-respected in the game, uh, you know, not like rabid fans by any means, but a respected liked guy in the game who's done a lot for the game of golf and who's been around the game of golf for a long time. You know, he kind of did his, made his decision and he went quietly and he's going to continue to be a quiet guy doing it. It doesn't really change a lot of things for him. Like, but Phil has just said some dumb stuff and the whole, I mean, he's just really stuck his foot in his mouth. He looks like trash. Um, I mean, it looks like it's kind of taking a toll on him. I, I thought about it next week. Cause I mean, I, I, I would imagine I'll have a chance to, you know, stick a microphone in his face next week and ask him something. And I'm like, what, what could I ask him that he might actually answer? And I mean, I, I want to just ask like, are you okay? <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. How's like everything okay. going, dude? Yeah. I, I yeah. don't, um, you know, I remember when all the tiger stuff happened, you know, Thanksgiving and everybody was like, is this gonna, you know, this is terrible. He's a womanizer. He's a, you know, he's a man whore, you know, like yeah, yeah. And you wonder would he recover from that? And he did. And, um, the, then the, 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 you know, substance abuse stuff, but so like, I feel like obviously time does a lot and 20 years from now, are we, is this going to be kind of a blip maybe, but, um, but I don't know. I think it has to do something to Phil and I've never been a big Phil guy. Honestly, I've never, I mean, I, I liked watching him. He was a good character to have, but I'm not a diehard. I've never been a diehard Phil guy. I've always kind of felt like his whole thing was fake. Yeah. Uh, or at least a part of it was kind of fake. Um, but did you read the book that Alan Shipnuck wrote about him? I haven't read the book yet. I've been meaning to, obviously it's, it's made a lot of uproar and there's been quotes. Take, I mean, obviously huge yeah. circulation around the golf world, but yeah, give me it's a little a synopsis. Read. If you're, if you're a fan of golf, like it's a must read, like, I think somebody said this. I don't, I don't know who it was, but somebody said it like this. And this is hundred percent true. That book will have you for a couple pages. You'll read a story and you'll be like, Phil is the, just the greatest guy, like doing things in charity for people without any fanfare, without any public knowledge behind the scenes, doing nice things, like being a hell of a guy, taking care of a family, taking care of a friend, um, like going to great extents to do that without being asked, without being honored for it. And you're just like, man, what a guy. Maybe he really is this guy. And then you turn the page and it's a story about him being just a total asshat and selfish and, you know, maniacal. And you're like, this guy is, a, is, I hate him. Like, I can't stand him. And then you flip and you just go back and forth the whole book like that. It's wild. It really is wild. You need to read it. Absolutely, man. Um, yeah. I haven't enjoyed, I've read a couple of the Tiger books and I haven't fully enjoyed them because I love Tiger so much. And a lot of them yeah. have depicted yeah. him, you know, through its entirety, but I'm definitely, it's definitely on the, uh, on the to, to read list. Um, but listen, let's, let's move into the PGA tour because this is what we love. And, and obviously, you know, maybe the live tour will grow on us. Maybe it'll grow on me, I should say, and maybe you know I'll have. Uh... It's got some growing to do on me too. I'm not. Uh, I'm not. Yeah, yeah. Like when I say live, like I, I, I will bet on it. I will play if if the DraftKings contest get big enough. I'll play DraftKings on it. Uh, I've already bet on it a couple times. Um, you know we're a betting and DFS show, so like I'm doing content for it. If you know if if all these sports books offer bets on them, then we'll be there for you. Yeah, like, we'll take a line. So, yeah. so I'm doing that that's probably the extent of it. Right. Like, and I make fun of it a lot, or I, I do content on it on TikTok and Instagram because it writes itself. A lot of this stuff for sure. Um, but Rice I'm, and not, rope. I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan. I just don't hate it. Like Pat hates it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we got the elevated events now. We're going to have all of the top players in the world be, 
you know, playing at the same time, which I think is massive for the PGA Tour. And it sounds like they're going to rotate these elevated events, which again, I think is an amazing idea. I'm selfish because obviously I'm Canadian and I think about the Canadian Open right now. Rory's won it the last two times they've had it. And now it's like, you know, you want to have him on the three, but but it's not going to be in an elevated event. So what are the chances he's going to come up and play in that? Probably not very good, but maybe in 2024, it's an elevated event and uh, we'll get some of the top guns up in Canada. But, um, you know, has Jay Monahan done a sufficient job to, you know, combat the live tour and, you know, keep the players happy? Um, You know, I know Tiger uh, and Rory have been big spokesman and big leaders in that and I should, I'll throw Ricky in there because I don't know how he got on the private plane and got in the car and before that event um and and joined the uh the players because Ricky's been irrelevant until these past few events but um but talk a little bit about how you how you think the PGA Tour response has been um I mean I I think I'd give it like a b minus you know it, it, there's definitely been some some things that uh, you look at and you're like, isn't that, isn't that basically live in a way, or isn't that very similar to live? And um, some of it's a little strange. Um, I, I really, I tell you what I like, cause we talk to a lot of guys. I love talking to some of the fringe players. Like we don't, we don't interview like Rory on our show or John Rom, right? Like I like talking to some of these fringe guys. I like a lot of the th- the changes they made for those guys, the $500,000 league minimum, the stipends for travel and hotel and all that kind of stuff. I, I like that. I think that's good to do. Uh, I like the elevated events thing. It's going to be good. It's, it's going to mean that, yes, we're going to have more events where you have some of the top players in the world. And it means when those events come around that are not elevated, they're going to be kind of stanky. You know what I mean? So, Big time. Um, so, I mean, I, I think some of the, you know, I think the changes are fine for now. I'm a little, I'm a little confused on uh, the, what's happening in the fall next year, how that whole thing is going to work or how it's going to feel any better from a fan standpoint. I, I get how it will feel better to the top players, but from a fan standpoint in terms of, giving me something to um, giving me something to really get excited about to watch golf in the fall. I, I'm not sure where we're going to get there on that, but we'll see. I think there's some details yet to be unveiled uh, for the fall stuff. And obviously they, they know they lose a lot of viewership for NFL, which um, is, is obvious. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's, I, I'm okay with it so far. You know, I, I wish some things like coverage issues would change, you know, some of the TV stuff. I definitely have complaints on. I I have a lot of complaints on how they handle media, obviously being in that world and and seeing that firsthand many times. I I think the tour needs to check themselves on some of that. Um, But we'll see. Uh, Maybe those stuff that those smaller details will, will come. I live in Atlanta, Canada, DB. We live in the worst place on planet Earth to try to watch golf. I mean, it is on so late. I mean, morning rounds, forget about it. I tried to sign up for that golf TV, and anyway, it was a bit of a debacle, a bit of a gong show. Like, yeah. I think that the, the broadcasting in golf is definitely an area that they need to work on. There's yeah. no doubt about it, especially for us degenerate gamblers who've got action in DFS, got some outrights, yeah. got some to miss the cut parlays. I oh, mean... Don't talk to me about the app, too. Like, that's the other thing, too. The PGA Tour app. Yeah. I mean... I just cannot wrap my head around and, and, and everybody tweets about it. You know, we live on Twitter pretty much because the golf world is very much on Twitter. Yeah. Like every master's week, it, it, it happens, right? Everyone starts tweeting like, how come these, the PGA tour doesn't get in a room with whoever at Augusta national and say, please 
help just point us in the right direction of how we can get our app to function just like to yours. 30% of how <laughs> yeah. your app functions, right? 100%. Uh, so I do think I do think the app bothers me that the TV stuff definitely needs a lot of work and I know some of that's kind of intricate with, you know, contracts and stuff, but yeah, I, I don't know how. I mean, it must be hard to to watch an event uh, in certain, a lot of places of the world. It sucks. Like that's <laughs> that's honestly like people make fun of live being on YouTube. That's accessible for anyone. Yeah, you, yeah, YouTube. Anyone yeah. can get on YouTube. Yeah. It doesn't mean like my dad knows how to you know wants to get on there and do it, but yeah, uh, anybody can get on it. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. That won't always be the case. They'll get a TV contract. I'm almost yeah, certain they will. Yeah. I believe they will. Yeah, they will. Um, let's move into the big cat. Tiger Woods, man. I know a lot of my listeners love him. I love him to death. I'm assuming, DB, you're a big Tiger guy. Yeah. Um, so I'm assuming that the next time we see Tiger is going to be at the PNC Championship where he was runner-up last year with Charlie. Um, yeah. I think that that event actually has a lot of potential as we move forward. Um, you got a lot of guys who are kind of aging in their careers, have sons or daughters that are going to join them to play. And obviously, if Tiger and Charlie are playing, you're going to want to play in it. Um, yeah. But uh, moving past the PNC, which is in December, I do believe mid-December, when do you think we're going to see Tiger next? I don't think he's going to have the same... He's not going to be playing by the same rules as the other guys in the elevated events. He's going to play in the four majors if he can, and then maybe sprinkle yeah. in a few others. But uh, I've got Riviera circled. Um, you know, I'm, really. I'm hoping he plays in the Genesis. Obviously, um, you know, health is going to be the biggest thing. or will be the biggest thing for the rest of his career. But what are you, uh, what yeah. are you thinking for Tiger? Yeah, I mean, I, I would, I would have just, I think the safe bet is just to say the Masters. Um, if if he's going to play again, I, I don't. The the just with like how he's had to recover and stuff. I don't know that even Riv, like Riv, does Riv if he plays all four rounds? Like let's just say he makes a cut, plays all four rounds of Riv. Does his body have enough time to recover from there to to Augusta and like? feel good about it. I don't know. Is he going to want to take that extra time that, 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 you know, he could use while Riv's going on and not play. Uh, obviously a lot of those questions will be asked and maybe answered at the PNC in December. Um, but I just don't know that even tiger, I think tiger, honestly, it would, it wouldn't shock me if tiger cares more about putting on and putting on that event, which he, which he's the host of at Riviera and now elevated like, it just wouldn't surprise me if he cares way more about that week being about that tournament and like the excellence of that tournament and like him doing his job as a host. And it is him playing. playing yeah. Yeah. And being the sideshow. Cause I can played, understand that. It's all, it's all it's, about him. hundred percent. Right? Yeah. So I could see him kind of being like, you know, I'm not a hundred percent. I don't, I want to be there for the masters. Like I don't need to do this and I can just focus on my duties as a host and draw the attention to the best players in the world that, that are here that have a chance to, to really compete. I wouldn't, that wouldn't shock me. Does he win again, DB? Does Tiger Woods host, hoist another trophy on the PGA Tour? I think he could, I think he could win the Masters again. I do. Um, what about I the Open? Uh, what about Tommy Watson, 09? Did that not give you some hope? I know. I know. Well, I mean, you know, St. Andrews, um, the old course was obviously a, an interesting spot for him. And it is a course that they, they seemingly can't keep up with distance and, and technology. So you wouldn't have to be a stripe show. So when it, go, when it comes back there in, what, five more years, maybe, if he's still healthy, it could happen. Stranger things could happen. But I don't know. I, my money would just be on the Masters. I, mm. I don't think he's going to really – I don't think we're going to see Tiger play a whole lot of events on the PGA Tour rotation. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's going to happen anymore. I think it's going to be majors if he can do it and, you know, and Charlie. 
that that's what he's going to be doing. It's going to be interesting to see with Charlie. I mean, his swing is immaculate. He's he's 13. It looks like he's already growing and, and becoming yeah. a man. I mean, it's going to be interesting. Obviously, he's got all the tools and all of the things, but everyone yeah. understands that golf isn't, it's all mental. It's all it's upstairs, all you know? So we'll see what happens uh, with Charlie Woods. But uh, I wanted to talk about the President's Cup a couple weeks back, DB. Uh, I thought it was uh, I thought it was an exciting event. Um, we had uh, you know the Americans you know run the show, and I think that they will yeah. continue to. I mean that team is extremely talented, clearly. Um, but I wanted to talk about some of the international side and, and uh, starting things off with Tom Cam. I mean this guy stormed onto the scene, obviously won the Wyndham Championship, but the electric what a, what a character he was. And do you think this guy's got a lot of potential on the PGA Tour to be you know an emerging superstar? Yeah, I think he does. Um, I I love Tom Kim. I love the South Koreans. The whole gaggle of South Koreans are all electric factories. They're all amazing. Siwoo Kim is a trip. Uh, we just interviewed Byung Hun Ann. That'll be published here pretty soon. He's also pretty funny. They're all re- they're all really big personality characters. So love Tom. I-, I will say this one thing about Tom Kim though. He's not a long hitter. Yeah. And and on the PGA Tour. And in most major championships, you have to be able to move the golf ball. And, you know, he won at Sedgefield. Um, you know, the, the, course, the, the courses he's won have been places where precision is rewarded. You can't necessarily overpower those courses. It's one of those courses a lot of the PJ Tour guys would describe it as. It's one of those courses where everybody hits it to the same spot. And then it's a it's a iron slash wedge slash putting contest from there. The two courses he won were just that. I think a real test is going to be what we see Tom Kim do at a major championship, uh, a long, a long golf course, a big golf course, um, and maybe even a little glimpse of what we'll see at Congaree because Congaree is is a long track. Now it's very firm and fast, so it's going to help the shorter hitters as, as well. But um, a golf course that's a big course, it'll be interesting to see what Tom does. I think he's going to have to have he's going to have to add distance. He's going to have to get distance somewhere. It's just too big of a deal on tour right now. Absolutely, he's a young guy, and, and maybe you know he doesn't look. I don't want to judge a guy, but I don't want to judge a book by its cover. But it doesn't look like he's uh you know fully into his uh, fitness regime and his diet regime. But um, you know maybe that'll change for a guy like Tom Kim. I do want to talk about the Canadians for the Canadian content. Um, an interesting storyline that I developed personally. I haven't really heard it outside of um, you know. Um, you know, just myself, but uh, Corey Connors, Taylor Pendrith, Mac Hughes, they all went to Kent State together at the same time. And I thought Mackenzie Hughes, to this point, has been the better player on tour than Taylor Pendrith. Obviously, Pendrith is he's just kind of emerging into his PGA Tour career. He's dealt with injuries. Um, but do you think Mike Weir went to Corey Connors and said, listen, man, who do you want to be paired with? Who do you want to play with during the, the President's Cup? And he said... I'm a better friend of Taylor. I think Taylor's playing better right now. Let's bring Taylor on. The next week at the Sanderson Farms, Mackenzie Hughes puts his balls on the table, wins the event. I think he was pissed off that he didn't get picked for the President's Cup. I mean, yeah, I could see that. I mean, but if you look at the if you look at the the the, the recent form leading up to that thing, like Pendrith was crushing it, dude. Pendrith yeah. was. He had a big year. And Mackenzie Hughes, dude, I've been tracking that guy since 2015. He is frustrating as all get out for me as a better because he is, he never checks boxes from a stat category. He he, he just, I can't get the dude right. He has a problem with his irons. His iron play is very wacky and strokes gained approach is a hugely important stat on the tour. 
now, the thing about him that's come out since his win is he's done exactly what I just said about Tom Kim. Mackenzie Hughes has added pop in the bat. He's yeah. added distance. He just spoke about it after he won. He's been training. He's been lifting. He's been doing the speed training thing. He's seen, you know, I mean, he's a veteran, right? Like he's yeah. seen this whole distance thing come. And he said, I got I got to catch up or I'm done or I'm cooked. Yeah. And and he's done it and he's doing it, which is a very, very important for him to do. I think that could be that would make me more bullish on Hughes going forward. But Pendrith is a stud, man. That boy hits it a long ass way. Um, I, I would probably say I would lean on Pendrith having a better season upcoming if you made me bet on the two. But they're both they're both on the upswing for sure. I like I like it. Well, he's, he's already one win behind. So we'll see. Well, CDB, I like the both, obviously, clearly a big Canadian guy. But all right, let's yeah. talk about the, the CJ Cup uh, this week. Um, obviously, they can't help they ho- can't hold it in South Korea uh, due to the COVID restrictions. Uh, the third year, I think, in a row that it's been outside of South Korea. Um, CJ, yeah. obviously, you see a lot of the South Koreans wear it on their hat. Sung Jae, uh, Tom Kim, all of those guys come to mind. Uh, Siwoo. But uh, who do you like this week? Um, you know, the odds are out. Um, a lot of big guns teeing it up in South Carolina. Congaree mentioned it. Who uh, who were some some folks that my listeners should uh, should take note of? Well, if you follow the tour junkies, you know I don't you know I don't bet short numbers, man. The golf is very highly variable, and if we're not talking about 2000, 2001 Tiger Woods, then most of the time the favorites don't win golf tournaments. So as tempting as Rory may be, it's seven to one. <laughs> no it's shot. Just, I don't do I don't do that stuff, no. man. Like I don't do that stuff. I want to give bets that you're proud of. And you want to tell your boys about so coming off a win last week. I do want to mention DB coming off Keegan Bradley Thank thirty-seven you. to one last week. So listeners, listen in here. And Tom Kim the week before that twenty-eight to one. Back to back, um, back to back. So can we make it three uh, in the shorter range? And I say shorter range this is short for me. In the shorter range, I think Fitzpatrick is a great value at twenty-four to one. I see him on Fanduel as kind, kind of the best number. Uh, you're looking for iron play and you're looking for really good play around the greens. We've already talked to a couple caddies on site. They're talking about how gnarly this place is around the greens, how fast the fairways are running, uh, how fast the short grass around the greens is going to run. Matt Fitzpatrick has a total package. She's a U.S. Open winner, and I think this golf course could be a U.S. Open or PGA Championship venue down the road. Okay. So I like Fitzpatrick at 24 to 1. I think Max Homa is egregiously priced on uh, I think on points bet right now he's 33 to 1 I saw him in the 30s on FanDuel DraftKings has him at 16 which I think he should be in that 20 to 1 range like Homa this is probably his last event before the baby comes so it's probably the last time we see him until probably January I think Homa's a tremendous value he's got the short game he's got the total driving the iron play he just won three weeks ago why not uh, I think he keeps it 4-0 rolling. at the President's Cup Stud at the President's Cup. Yeah, I think Shane Lowry in that range too at thirty-three to one. The Irishman he's been playing over overseas in the DP World Tour swing, as has Matt Fitzpatrick. Similar profile to Fitzy hits, you know, hits really solid irons. Great short game. I like Lowry. If we're talking bombs, uh, I like Cam Davis, the Aussie at eighty to one uh, or seventy to one. You know, they talk about Congaree being very similar to those Aussie sandbelt courses. I think this suits up well for him. He's a bomber. can take advantage of things here. I love Aaron Wise. I skipped him at 50 to one uh, around MGM uh, on uh, 50 to one at that MGM. The love broomstick, that. baby. Wise. Team broomstick. Dude, that, that's helped him a lot. And, 100%. And he's one of those I love to play. He's a bomber with really good underrated short game that I love to play on longer courses that play a little more difficult. In major championships, love him. He's always cheap, like on DraftKings or whatever, top 10, top 20 bet. 
Um, I love Aaron Wise for that reason. If I give you one bomb, because I do think the winner is going to come from the shorter to mid-range. It's just a stacked field. You give the yeah. best players in the world four rounds, probably not going to be a bomb. But if I give you one bomb, it's going to be Kirk Kitayama at 130 to 1. Uh, he hits bombs. He's playing well. And I was looking at some of the head-to-head markets. Um, he he flipped a, he opened as a dog to a couple of guys. The line immediately flipped. I saw some big money come in on his side. I think there's some big head-to-head betters that are bullish on Kurt Kitayama. Now that's not necessarily an indicator of his outright potential, but I think it means that in general he's a good play. 130 to one in a 78-man field. You know, I, I think I'll I think I'll give it a shot. Did he go toe-to-toe with Shane Lowry at the Honda Classic? I think he did. Uh, I don't know if that was at the Honda. I know, you know, he almost won the Scottish the week before That's right. the Open Championship. Um, he I had a decent take- year last year. Like, he 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 made yeah. some serious strides, so I don't mind that at all. 130 to 1, I mean, that's worth the sprinkle. Okay, yes, it was him at the Honda. Yeah, he ended up finishing third. I mean, he's had, he's had close finishes. Mexico Open, finished runner-up to John Rom. Mexico is a place, it's not just like this, but it's a big track, big wide open fairways, rip driver, like Kitayama can crush it. He'll try to take advantage of his distance here. Um, so if the short game can can stay intact, it could happen. I like it. All right, DB. Well, listen, man, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, everyone who's listening, go check out the Tour Junkies on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. Go listen to their podcasts. They know their stuff. They talk DFS every week. They're the Tour Junkies. Listen, DB, we'll, uh, we'll catch up soon, man. I appreciate you coming on. Nah, thanks, man. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate it. Y'all keep doing your thing, uh, making me laugh on TikTok. What a legend. Absolute legend. Those guys have grinded from the beginning of the podcast era, 2015. Uh, nobody really doing it, and uh, they've made it. They've been a success story in the golf podcast world. So I thank DB for coming on. Go check them out at Tour Junkies across all social platforms. Let's get into quarter three here. The MLB playoffs are alive and well. We got the ALCS going on, and uh, we got the Yankees who won Game Five over the Guardians. Um, I always reflect, man, that that Josh Naylor celebration in Game Four was just so weird. Um, with Garrett Cole pitching, obviously Garrett Cole pitched, you know, fairly well and, and Naylor hit the home run off of him and did the, you know, baby rocking celebration. They didn't take the lead. Uh, it was the last run they scored in that game. Uh, but the Yankees end up winning game five and, uh, and they moved on to play the, uh, the Houston Astros who were waiting for them. The Astros last night, uh, in game one, Justin Verlander, 11 strikeouts, four hits pitched to jam. Um, they beat the Yankees. So the Astros were up one, nothing in game one of the ALCS. It's going to be a great series. Um, this is what we were all wanted. One, two seeds out of the AL. This is what we were waiting for. I mean, the Houston Astros, obviously have got a massive blemish in, in their history and in their, in their run that's been going on for the last, you know, six, seven years. But I mean, they've been a wagon. Um, they continue to perform in the playoffs and it's going to be interesting to see if the Yankees can uh, respond tonight, yesterday for the listeners. Um, but uh, one nothing Yankees, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna project the Astros going on. Uh, I've called it from the beginning. I like the Astros banging trash cans. I, th- I th- I've been saying that they're gonna find a way to cheat, but uh, but in the other series, uh, the Padres and Phillies, uh, unexpected to be completely honest with you. I mean, we got two teams who uh, were in the wild card wild card rounds, and they've been on nice runs. And you got to feel good for both of these teams. Um, we talked, I talked about it with Neil last episode. The Phillies have been fantastic, um, up and down their lineup. They're getting production from a lot of their players. Uh, the Padres, on the other hand, again, they had a massive inning last night. I think it was the bottom of the fifth. They were down four, nothing ended up winning seven, four by the end of that inning. Um, but it's tied one, one and they're heading back to Philadelphia. 
Um, so that's an exciting series as well. I mean, everyone loves an underdog story. Everyone loves teams that are the unexpected in sport. And that's what's so great about sports. Uh, so we got the Padres and Phillies grinding it out in the NLCS. And we've got the Yankees and Astros grinding out in the ALCS. So we'll see, we'll continue to watch these games um, and uh, continue to monitor where these series go. But the World Series is going to be electric. I mean, these are going to be two two hungry fan bases, uh, whoever squares off uh, for different reasons. But it's going to be exciting. Little quarter four action. Uh, I'll have Sam Alvey join us. Actually, a nice surprise here. Sam Alvey, smiling Sam Alvey, a massive UFC veteran. We've had him on a few times, but he's going to help preview UFC 280, which is this weekend. Some massive fights this weekend. Two belts on the line. Um, we've got Sugar Sean O'Malley fighting just before the belt fight, so it's going to be an amazing UFC weekend in Abu Dhabi. It starts midday on Saturday, which is so good because typically, as we know, UFC fights start late, late Saturday night. It's tough to catch it, but in the NFL, let's recap the Monday Nighter. Denver versus L.A. Uh, Denver ended up covering the spread. L.A. won in overtime. I was hoping that was going to be a little bit more electric. I mean, Russell Wilson looked great off the start, got off to a 10-0 lead. The Chargers flip it around, come tie the game. I mean, both offenses, they struggled to close in the red zone. And I find that's a that's a trend across the a lot of the NFL right now is, is teams are struggling to close in the end zone. I don't know if that's just poor offensive play calling or just, um, you know, execution or if it's just the fact that uh, defenses are playing really well. But uh, but Denver falls to 2-4, and four, L.A. to 3-3, three and three, I do believe. Or four and two, um, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see the Denver, Denver gets the Jets this week. I'm still riding Russell Wilson. I know you can call me a fool, but uh, he's banged up a little bit of a ham, hamstring industry, in, injury. Wow, nearly had a stroke. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, and uh, and tonight for the listeners, we've got New Orleans traveling to Arizona. Arizona, I think a point and a half favorite. Um, Alvin Kamara. This guy's been fined $10 million, a starting running back for the New Orleans Saints. Obviously, absolute stud. Um, but he's been fined, or he's been sued $10 million by um, the victim of an assault charge. So when he was at the Pro Bowl last season in Vegas, he was out, and uh, after um, <clears throat> after partying in a club outside the bar, he ended up absolutely tuning some guy up. So we'll see what happens there. Obviously, he's facing criminal charges as well, but uh, I guess the victim has sued him for $10 million, $10 million for, for damages. Um, so I, I got uh, I got Arizona tonight. We got the return of DeAndre Hopkins after missing six games with a banned substance uh, suspension. So obviously, you know, a top three receiver in the NFL, Kyler and DeAndre have looked like a nice combination uh, through the first couple of years of Kyler's career. So I think that's going to be a nice boost to the Arizona offense. I think they get it ton- done tonight in New Orleans. I think I'm expecting fireworks. I do like the over uh, in this game. I hope that we get to see some offense because uh, as everyone knows, the primetime games have been snoozers. Christian McCaffrey out of Carolina. It's sounding like they're shopping him. So, I mean, he, everyone knows the ceiling of this guy. He's an absolute monster. So this is going to be a massive acquisition for a team that might be on the playoff bubble or is a team that's really looking to take a run at a Super Bowl. So this is going to be a topic of discussion that's going to be closely monitored, obviously, by me and everyone listening. Christian McCaffrey finding a new home. Tua Talavailoga cleared for football. This one's a little scary. I would take a few more weeks if I were Tua. I think if I were the Dolphins organization as well, it's a rough sport. Um, I mean, uh, so scary. Two weeks ago, him getting carted off the field. Um, I think I would let him, I know he's cleared for football, but I would give it a few more weeks, I think. 
Um, I mean, the last thing anybody wants to see is for him to go down with another concussion. And then you'd have to think that's his career. Um, you know, with everything we know about CTE and just, you know, he's got a life to live. Um, and, you know, sometimes, you know, your life outside of the sport becomes, you know, it's more important than, than the sport you're playing. And, um, I mean, we, we want the safety for all of these players. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Tua moving forward. But uh, Mac Jones as well. Uh, has been cleared to uh, to play, and I expect him to play Monday night versus the Bears. Um, so the New England Patriots will take on the Bears, and hopefully Mac Jones will be back. Although Bailey Zappi did a fantastic job filling in. All right, let's bring on Sam Alvey to preview this UFC 280 in Abu Dhabi. Some massive fights. So here's old Sammy Alvey. Actually, scratch that, folks. I was actually just stood up by Sam Alvey. Um, obviously, there was a conflict in the schedule so uh, I'll hope to coordinate with him for Friday so uh, that will come out uh, hopefully Friday we'll get a tidbit of uh, Sam Alvey's insight into UFC 280 but listen everyone enjoy your weekends Um, make sure you're following all the socials make sure you join the chalkboard app and uh, let's keep this thing rocking and rolling let's go let's go